Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Tuesday, October the 20th of 2020. You heard it right, October the 20th of 2020. We are literally a few weeks away from um, elections and and so many things that are transpi- transpiring around our world, around our nation, and uh, all of these things uh, keeps us really on our knees. Amen. Keeps us should keep us praying and interceding and seeking the Lord, as the Apostle Paul would say, to pray for the peace. Amen. And you know, my prayer is not who's going to win. My prayer is God that somehow. As, as much as we had the time that the gospel will have a free course. Amen. And that's our main concern in these elections is, Lord, that this gospel can have free course, at least until you allow us. And uh, that's our prayer. And I pray that you are praying with us. You are praying for the things that are happening around the world and, and that you would have this sense of urgency and, and never think that the prayers of the righteous are in vain. They avail it much, the Bible says. That's what that's what James said. The fervent prayer of the righteous avail it much. We're ready today to get into the word of God today. We've been studying. We've been having a tremendous study in the book of Acts. And I believe the Lord has allowed us to, to see the book of Acts, maybe not in a typical way. You know, uh, whenever we think of the book of Acts, we, we see the power of God, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the miracles. But... We sometimes we don't see of all the intricacies that happen within the apostles at the beginning of this, and and that's where the Lord has had us to see these things, to see the development of a Paul, of a Timothy, of a Mark, to see the the maturity of a Barnabas and and a Silas, and all these things are are there to help us to shape and form what we know and what we now call the Church of the Living God. And so we're going to continue in our study today, and we're excited about that. Today in our panel, we have uh, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando. As always, it is a privilege and honor to study the Word of God together with my brothers. So, Brother Marty, as we continue into our journey into Paul in Athens, I think God has something fresh today for us, and I'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Well, praise the Lord as always. It's a privilege to to discuss the word of God and to explore the scriptures with uh, you, my brothers, and, and those of you that that tune in and follow us uh, every day and, and those who who, uh, who tune in as the days go by. We're so glad uh, that you join us, and we encourage you to have your Bibles. <clears throat> as we continue, uh, as Brother Jeremy said, uh, in our study, this is our eighth podcast in the series entitled uh, Paul in Athens. And that's where we're headed. And the journey that we've been taking literally has covered the entirety to this point of the book of Acts up until chapter 16. Uh, so we've actually literally gone through all 16 chapters to this point, or are about to go through the 16th chapter. And the 17th chapter is where we find Paul in Athens. And the reason that we're going to be looking at Paul in Athens is the extraordinary event that took place there, and that God would bring Paul after all the years of of preparation and trial and test and victories uh, and 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 great uh, events that shaped the early church and developed the theology of of the gospel. Paul would write 14 letters of the gospel. Uh, I include the Book of Hebrews in that. I think scholars get so 
huffed up in their brain sometimes they they uh, strain at a gnat and swallow a camel but it's obvious to me that paul wrote the book of hebrews but yeah. uh, so i say 14 letters right but he was responsible in essence for writing or writing the revelation of what the true gospel was and when we explore the book of acts what we are seeing is the development of the early church the protection by the holy spirit of of, of the burgeoning fragile uh, birth of the church. It, it's an extraordinary thing, and, and, and we've been gleaning much from it. And so I'm going to have Brother Jeremy begin our study today uh, by just reading one verse. We'll, we'll, we'll return to it, <clears throat> but we're going to talk today as we explore uh, in, in the moving of the Holy Spirit. When we get to it, we will begin to enter into the second missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. Chapter 16 is very unique. Uh, because the emphasis suddenly uh, increases on the direction and the leading of the Holy Spirit. So we want to talk today uh, about that, about the leading of the Holy Spirit, both in the lives that we will be examining today, Paul and Silas and Timothy, but also in our own personal lives. And so we encourage you to have your Bibles and, and to follow along. And, uh, and we pray you'll be blessed in Jesus' name. Brother Jeremy, could you start us out by reading Acts chapter 15, uh, verse 34? Amen. In Jesus' name. Sorry. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> there, you go. there we go. Notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there still. Amen. It pleased Silas to abide there still. So. As we continue our study on Paul's journey to Athens, we enter into his second missionary journey. And really, it, it is a journey that will last some 10 years. And it will culminate with his arrival in Athens. And as we previously discussed, Paul and Barnabas, uh, they, they part ways before this second missionary journey, specifically over the issue of, of John Mark, the writer of the Gospel of Mark, who as a young man had left the mission field in Paul and Barnabas's first missionary journey. And and he left uh, the mission field and went back to Jerusalem to his house uh, with his mom and his relatives. And, and you can find that story, which we've already discussed in Acts chapter 13. But we also discussed the great council in Jerusalem as the very gospel to the Gentiles was at stake, whether, uh, whether that uh, salvation was of faith or, or, or of the works of, of, of Moses's law of circumcision. And we encourage you to go uh, and maybe even listen to yesterday's podcast as we discussed again uh, that very issue. So having settled that issue, Paul and Barnabas, <clears throat> you know, they returned to Antioch and uh, uh, to deliver the decision of James and the council in Jerusalem who basically, as we've discussed in previous podcasts, they, they instructed the church, the, 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 the burgeoning Gentile church, where they were first called Christians in Antioch, to observe three things. And those three things were uh, to not pollute themselves with idols, to abstain uh, from fornication, and to eat nothing that has been strangled or, or blood. And as we discussed yesterday, uh, those three things represent the spirit the body and the soul. We talked about the brilliance of of the decision they made uh, as led by the Spirit. Really, I believe 
when we get to uh, the, the final thing they, they talked about, which dealt with the soul, which was not eating anything <clears throat> that was strangled or from blood. Because what they, in essence, did, and we encourage you again to go back and listen to yesterday's podcast we dealt with that at length, uh, they, they went all the way back to what is known as the, the Noahide laws or the Noahic covenant. The covenant that God made with Father Noah when he exited the, the ark after the flood into the new world, washed and cleansed from the previous age, God set down specific things to Noah. And it's from there that they drew upon the uh, the third thing that they told them not to do, which was uh, to refrain from eating things strangled and from blood, specifically because, as God would later reveal, the very soul, the very thing that animates human nature uh, is the blood. The life is in the blood. And so he dealt with three things. The council came up with three things. And, and and the brilliance of what they shared with the Gentile church as they understood the gospel at the time were those three things that you can find in Acts chapter 15, verse 20. <clears throat> so when they returned from Jerusalem, there were other men that came with them. Uh, they were intended to be witnesses uh, of the letter that indeed Paul and Barnabas uh, had brought word from the council. So they sent them as witnesses, but also to strengthen the church. Uh, in the things that were discussed and to, to, to assist Paul and Barnabas and the others that were still there uh, with, with safeguarding uh, the church. And, and so among these that came uh, was the great Silas. And we're going we're gonna to begin by reading uh, chapter 15, verse 30 through 34. Uh, Brother Jeremy, could you, could you start there as we get into our discussion? Amen. So when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch, and when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle, which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. And Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. And after they had carried there a space, they were let go in peace from the brethren unto the apostles. Notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there still. So that's, again, like we've been noticing in the book of Acts, there's something there that, uh, you know, we, we want to explore today as we go into the second missionary journey heading to Athens, uh, which in full will, will occur in chapter 16. But but our attention is, is going to be focused today on the leading of the Holy Spirit, because that's really what the book of Acts is. It's, it's called the Acts of the Apostles, but really it's the act of the Holy Spirit through the apostles and through the early church. The Lord sent, after having prayed to the Father, the Holy Spirit into the earth, precisely to safeguard and protect the church. Remember, and this might be right off the bat jumping into the deep end, but when we first see the Holy Spirit show up in Scripture, it's right at the beginning where the Bible says that the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters, bringing a calm to the chaos and protecting uh, the recreative act of God, wherein it is said that he separated the light from the darkness and he 
and, and, and he said, let there be light, and there was light. So the Spirit of God works as the brooding, hovering, uh, nurturing aspect of the Godhead. And if you can receive it, it is in some sense, uh, and, and I say this, you know, uh, reverently. I don't want people to freak out, but it's the nurturing mother feminine quality of the Godhead, if you will. Now, <clears throat> don't let your mind freak out over a statement like that, because we know that the Holy Spirit's personality is that of a he, because Jesus addresses him as a he. But there is a nurturing quality, uh, for lack of a better word to describe it, that, that is motherly about it, uh, about him. Uh, he has that essence. And, and, and so fragile in the sense of the respect that is meant to be given to the Holy Spirit, Jesus would say of the Holy Spirit that you can talk about me if you want to and say anything about me. It will be forgiven you. You can even say stuff bad about the Heavenly Father. He says, that will be forgiven you. He says, but if you speak a word or blaspheme the Holy Spirit, he says, you're in danger of hell and, and you will never be forgiven. That's an incredible statement that he made. And many people have agonized over that. But really, the, the, the rejection of the Holy Spirit is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, the influence of the Spirit the continuing uh, prodding of the Spirit as he deals with individuals and the rejection of that convicting power, not, con not condemning power, but convicting power of the Holy Spirit. When an individual continues to resist that working of the Spirit, <clears throat> whenever that is determined by the Spirit, that there really is no more that the Spirit can do, in essence, the individual who continues to reject uh, Paul called it having a conscience seared, having their consciences seared, being past feeling, he said. That, in essence, is the rejection of the Holy Spirit, thereby blaspheming against him and his influence. And when you do that, or when individuals have done that throughout the ages, there's no more hope for them because they're past feeling, as Paul would say, and they have no ability to, to be moved anymore. In, in that part that would lead us to repentance. That is determined by God, but it's a very, very serious thing. Paul, in describing the marriage between a man and a woman, he said, I, I speak to you of a mystery that, uh, for this is the will of God, that a man would leave his mother and his mother and his father and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one. He said, I show you, I speak a mystery, he said, but I speak concerning Christ and his church. So he ref he references the Spirit as having that motherly quality, and he referenced the Lord himself coming into the earth as if he was leaving his mother and his father and cleaving to his bride, which is his church. Now, when Jesus was getting ready to be crucified, we know from the Bible uh, that on the Passover night, he began to reveal to his apostles in much more earnest that he was getting ready to go away. And he talked about the necessity of him going away and that it was better for them and subsequently better for all of us if he would go away. He said, because if I don't go away, the, the comforter, the Holy Spirit won't come to you. But if I go away, he said, I will pray to the Father 
and he will send the Holy Spirit to you. Now, we know uh, that Jesus gives a list as to what his responsibilities would be. And when you go through that list, you'll begin to see that he works as, as one who comforts, one who brings peace, one who keeps our hearts and minds. But primarily and most importantly, he is the one who reveals the Lord Jesus to us. He said he will lead you and guide you into all truth. He will take of mine and he will show it unto you. He will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he hears, that shall he speak, and he will glorify me. See, this is how you know the work of the Spirit. There are many people that walk around claiming nowadays in, in the mega churches and the big establishment Pentecostal charismatic uh, elites that they have the Spirit. They they have Holy Spirit conferences. They they talk to the Holy Spirit as if the Spirit is working independent of the rest of the Godhead, the Father and the Son. But this is error because anything that draws attention to the to the Holy Spirit specifically is not according to the Scripture. That's right. The the work of the Spirit is to reveal Jesus and to lead us and guide us into the mission, the purpose, and and becoming the church of the Lord Jesus. He was sent to the earth to safeguard what it is that the Lord Jesus had purchased in his precious blood on Calvary. And as a matter of fact, he is the one who rose Jesus from the dead. Let's take a look at that in Romans chapter 1. Can you turn over there, Brother Jeremy? Can you read to us uh, verse 1 through 4? Yes. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Praise God. So the Spirit of God, Paul is testifying here, uh, declared Jesus to be the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead. It was the work of the Holy Spirit that rose Christ from the dead, and in so doing, it testified for all ages, that Jesus was not to be confused, uh, you know, or, or lumped together with any of the pretenders to 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 the to the philosophical throne, so to speak, you know, to the religious throne, whatever you want to, however you want to term it. He said he was determined to be the exclusive, only begotten of the Father. When he rose him from the dead, and the resurrection from the dead took place by the power of the Spirit or the spirit of holiness, as he describes there. Even when the angel Gabriel came, the spirit's always been active within the, within the safeguarding of the gospel. Throughout the ages, like we said back in Genesis chapter 1, even at the time when, when Mary uh, had a visitation from Gabriel and it was time uh, for the Lord himself to, to be wrapped uh, in human flesh after the seed of David, he said, 
King David according to the flesh. When Mary asked the question, how is it that I can, uh, this is going to be, seeing that I'm not even married, I've never even had sexual relations, I I have never known a man, she was a, a, a pure virgin and highly favored of God. The angel Gabriel said that that the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. So the Holy Spirit is the creative, in many ways, creative, active agent that brings about uh, life. And and so <laughs> so the the Spirit of God is 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 incredibly uh, vital. Uh, in 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 how you approach understanding what is written in the book of Acts. As a matter of fact, like we quoted yesterday, all scripture, right? All scripture is given by what? By inspiration. inspiration. Yes. Of who? The Holy Spirit, right? So brother, when you read, go ahead, brother. Brother Marty, also Romans eight eleven says that if the Spirit of Him that raised of Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He, the Holy Spirit, that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. That's, so, a, that's um, a great scripture there. You know, now, there's, a, there's, such a, there's such a sensitivity, you know, when we speak about the spirit of life, you know, the Holy Spirit. And I just wanted to just, just to say this real quick, uh, what, the, what the Apostle Paul says it, about the Holy Spirit when he says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, quench not the Spirit. In Mm -hmm. uh, Ephesians 4.20, he speaks about uh, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, you know? And and, and we know Isaiah in chapter 62 speaks about vexing the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Praise God. Wow, that's really good. Yes, and that's it goes right along where we're flowing here, which is today we're dealing about, uh, we're looking at and examining uh, the, the continuing unfolding of the church, Paul's second missionary journey, and how when we get to verse 16, what we're going to witness there is that that it, that the attention is drawn to to very uh, powerfully expressed. Uh, uh, leading of the spirit. We'll see that in a second here. But are you still in Romans, brother? Because there's a there's another scripture there in chapter eight. I wanted you to read to us. Yes. Uh, the uh, could you read verse fourteen and uh, through sixteen? Yes. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Praise God. So there's so much there, but we'll just let's just look at what we're we're saying here in verse 14, at what Paul said, as many as are led by the spirit. They are the sons of God. And that's what we're talking about here, the leading of the Holy Spirit. See, I had Brother Jeremy read, and we're going back to Acts chapter 15 now, because what we're, what, what we're beginning to see is something very interesting. Could you read uh, verse 34 to us again, Brother Jeremy? Acts 15, 34. Notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide 
there still. So here's where we really are beginning today to consider again the working of the Holy Spirit. If we pause and consider, what we what we see is the influence of the Holy Spirit upon the heart of, of the individual, and, and in this case, in Brother Silas, as we begin, how much Silas actually understood concerning his decision, you know, to stay in Antioch, uh, you know, was the Holy Spirit directing him to do so uh, nonetheless, right? So in other words, you know, how much he actually understood that what he wanted to do by staying there, whether he understood it, you know, uh, in its fullness, he had a sense in his heart that he didn't want to go back to Jerusalem. Now, remember, uh, what will follow, uh, as we know when we look at it, is indeed the work of the Holy Spirit moving upon him. Now, we know that Silas was a prophet, right? And, and being a prophet, we know he was very familiar with the leading of the Holy Spirit. Could you read verse 32 and 33 to, again to confirm that to us? Yes. And Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. And after they had tarried there a space, they were let go in peace from the brethren unto the apostles. There's a very interesting phrase there where in verse 33, it says they were let go in peace. So first what we see about him is he's a prophet. And, and being a prophet, we know that he's familiar with the leading of the Spirit. He has the ability to hear the Spirit. They had come from Jerusalem with Paul and Barnabas after the council we talked about, and they camped out there in Antioch to strengthen the brethren. But then when it says that they were let go in peace, it has it has a dual component to it. It wasn't like those that they were ministering to in Antioch said, okay, you guys can leave now. No, what this is actually implying is that the mission and the task uh, for which they had uh, been called to, to go to Antioch and help Paul and Barnabas, uh, they sensed that it was time. There was a peace to leave and to return to Jerusalem from where they came and to go back to the apostles and report to them what they had witnessed in Antioch. But what's interesting is verse 34, it says, notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to stay. And so we're talking about the leading and the working of the Spirit because it's vital for us in our times right now to become sensitive to his Spirit, but also to recognize uh, that, you know, many times we think, you know, when we think in, in religious terms, when we talk about Spirit, miracle, word, all that stuff, as if we need to hear some big booming voice from the sky, right, to be directed by the Lord or, or some other kind of, you know, obviously transcendent experience, you know, so I can say I heard the Spirit. But something as simple as what it says in verse 34, it pleased Silas to abide and stay there. If we're not, you know, if we're not students of what was just said here, we will easily miss something that is very complex and yet very revealing. Because it, there's an emotional quality here to Silas remaining. He may not have fully understood, but what he did know was that there was a sense that I don't want to go back to Jerusalem. 
there was an attraction to what he had been engaged in in Antioch. And the Holy Spirit will use those kinds of human qualities, really, emotions that we have, uh, to draw us and cause us, whether we realize it in full at the beginning or not, to maintain our position in the will of God. This is obviously the will of God. He doesn't know it yet, but he's about to never go back to Jerusalem. He's about to embark on a 10-year journey with the Apostle Paul, but he has no idea that that's just ahead of him. All he knows and all that's been revealed to us right here in chapter 15 is he, his, his, his friend Judas, his brother Judas is going back to Jerusalem. They've been let go. That is the burden of, of, of the sense of their calling to teach and, and be prophetic amongst the, the, the Gentile church here in Antioch. There was a release in the spirit. Judas goes back, but, but Silas stays. So there's, there's, there's a real complex moving of the spirit in his own personality. He didn't want to return, and yet there's no way he could have known, because it's not recorded here at least, what was just ahead. Now this is important because you must be led by the spirit. I must be led by the spirit. Now, logic would dictate, pay attention now, those of you that are listening, logic would dictate my mission's over, the sense of why I came here on the task that I had been appointed to by the apostles in Jerusalem has lifted from me. And so I feel that we should go back now, go back to the apostles. And the church agrees, thank you for coming, we've been blessed. But Silas, didn't want to go away, even though he felt in peace that what he had originally been sent there to do had been accomplished. He didn't lean to his logic. He leaned to what he was sensing in his heart. It pleased him to still stay there. He, 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 to abide still, that's how it's written, right? Notwithstanding it pleased Silas to abide there still, to stay there still. And and this was the work of the Holy Spirit in his heart. Had he leaned to his own mental understanding, it made sense to go home. I mean, after all, that's where he came from. But he didn't give in to, to the logic of the situation. He gave in to the deeper sense of the peace and the joy that he wanted to abide right where he was, at least for now. And so what we're putting forth is that... <laughs> is that the Spirit of God works in ways that we may not always be aware of, but we can learn from this to understand that that he works within each and every one of us to lead us, specifically as it pertains to things that, that involve uh, the plan and the purpose of God. Now, now remember this. Consider this. Uh, you know, the Apostle Paul's heart, as we know in the next several verses here, begins to be stirred to begin his second missionary journey. And we know this is when Paul and Barnabas, at this very time, after several more months, Paul gets this sense in his heart that he, that he wants to go back and visit all those churches that they had visited in the first two-year missionary journey that it, they had taken. And now it's been about 
another year since they had been back in Antioch, and Paul senses that he wants to go and minister to all those churches they had been at. And this is where the parting of the ways takes place. And what's extraordinary now is that the decision that Silas made in verse 34 to not give in to the logic of the scene or the situation and return to Jerusalem, but to, to, to go with what he was sensing emotionally in his heart to stay there with these brothers, at least for now, evolves into this situation. Silas's choice to follow the sense in his heart, really, which kept him in Antioch, we now see that what's about to happen is an indication that it was the Holy Spirit moving in his heart to stay there. He didn't reveal everything to him at the moment, but it was enough for him to sense, I feel peace here, and, and that's what I'm going to go with. Even though the burden of, of, of me functioning and being plugged in as a prophet and teacher has lifted, although I'm sure he continued to function in his ministry as a contributing member of the community of the church, the specific task had been listed, lifted from him and, and Judas. So logically, they should go back. One of them did, one of them didn't. The one that didn't was Silas. He, he listened to his own inclination inside his heart. Now, Brother Jeremy, can you read Acts chapter 15, verse 40? Yes. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. So uh, just a simple statement like that. Now, now look what's happened. He's nowhere near going back to Jerusalem now. There's no way he could have known that there would be a, a, a split in the ministry between Paul and Barnabas. But because he didn't give in to his logic, you know, a, a couple months before, he's now in a position because he, he, he went with his gut, so to speak. He went with the peace in his heart. He's now in a position in a crisis moment, which looks like a crisis moment. But really, it's this working of the Spirit all along. But, but, but let's focus in on this because it says in verse 40, now Paul chooses Silas. And in hindsight, we can see this is the plan of God. But, but had he not been there and had he gone back to Jerusalem, who knows? Who would have been recorded here by the Holy Spirit that Paul chose? Right. So sometimes when we make decisions, and 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 we're we're in the will of God now, understand, and we're not living like the devil. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those who love the Lord, and and we trust our our heart, not our head. So sometimes, and most of the time, trust me, most of the time, uh, your head has nothing to do with it. Your head will come along later. But like we read in in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, and what brother, the scriptures Brother Jeremy read, uh, we are to be led by the Spirit. And that leading takes place, first and foremost, spirit to spirit, in, in, in the economy of our heart is where he leads us. And then our mind is instructed as we follow the leading of the Spirit. It, it's it's really fascinating here. And so this brings us to, right, you, you want to say something, Brother Jeremy? Yeah, I, I want to interject something there that I think is very powerful as we're talking about the Holy Spirit, how he works, and Silas being sensitive. 
you know, when we talk about the leading of the Holy Spirit, it's tied up to obedience, right? <laughs> you have to be willing yeah. to listen and to obey. But there's a word there when, that we read in verse 34, notwithstanding it, please silence to abide there still. And that abide, the word abide means tarry. Tarry is a word that is deeply connected to the Holy Spirit. Remember what Jesus would tell him, you know, don't preach, don't do anything, but tarry mm -hmm. until the Holy Spirit comes. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think that's very important when, when we talk about these things is that the Holy Spirit maybe sometimes does not speak exactly, but when do we learn to tarry? Like you said, mm -hmm. Silas perhaps did not know the ultimate plan that God had for him in terms of he was going to be the one who Paul chose, but he knew enough to understand, I need to abide here. I need to yeah. carry here. I need to be yeah. here. You know, you may not know everything, but I know this is where the Spirit of God wants. He came with Judas, and, you know, maybe he, most of us would have felt the responsibility to at least go back with Judas, right? <laughs> the other right. Or, and go yeah. back to the apostles. But no, yeah. he was sensitive. He was obedient. You know, he put everything aside. He said, no, there's something here. I don't know what, but it it pleases me to be here. And so I need to abide. I need to tarry. And I think that's that's very intertwined with who the Holy Spirit and how he works. That many times is learning, you know, speaking to the listeners and to ourselves, right, is there's a, a part of tarrying. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. you don't have to know all the answers, but just learning to tarry and look where it led, right? Where Paul chooses him, you know? So I just wanted to bring that component. No, and those two scriptures you read go right hand in hand with what, you, what you're just describing there. Uh, the two scriptures, what was the one was 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, I 19. think, where you said, yes. 19, quench. you said, quench, quench not the spirit, right? Yes, yes. And, and uh, which means that we have that capacity to yes. to miss it, right? When, when you feel that inner thing and you resist it, eventually it leaves or lifts. And sometimes you may never, ever, ever know <laughs> what it is you missed out on or, or what was prevented or, or what occurred as a result of even that that quenching, like you read, Brother Jeremy, that Paul said. And then the other one was, what? Don't grieve him, right? In Ephesians? Yes. 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 Grieve, grieve not. So we see an emotional component to the spirit himself. Yes. It makes him, yes. right? It makes him sad. You know? Yes. Uh, go ahead. I was thinking like this, kind of like this, um, quenching is, is our attitude towards the Holy Spirit. Grieving is how the Holy Spirit feels about our actions. I mean, that's kind wow, of the way good. I um. No, that's I, really good. No, absolutely, so and and so and so we we see that 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 Silas did neither of those, right? Right. right. <laughs> he yeah, didn't yeah. he didn't quench it. Were, you were gonna say something, brother? No, no, that's true. What you're saying, that's exactly what yeah. he did. He didn't. He was. He was. He didn't know everything. But right. it pleased him enough to be obedient. He says, I'm going to abide here. I don't know how long. It could be a week, two weeks. But I think I need to be obedient and, and, and abide here. And, and that did not grieve the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, <laughs> it propelled him, 
to yes. to go with Paul on his second missionary trip. I mean, wow. That's yeah, amazing. and think about that because what was just ahead was was a conflict that is recorded in church history that was that was like it says in verse 39 between Paul and Barnabas the contention was so sharp between them that they departed you know this is a struggle that's giving birth to two separate aspects of ministry in two different geographic locations and throughout time for two different purposes because what this this little tarrying that you're talking about this this not quenching or grieving of verse 34 uh what was involved in that simple act of trusting what he was sensing on the inside was the gospel of saint mark was yeah. the was the calling of timothy right <laughs> right, right. I don't, know, I don't know if we can say it, you know, the right way. It's hard to describe. Well, brother, we were I think there's, there's something powerful that you just made me think about. That many times our decisions not only affect us. Yes. But it could potentially affect others, whether in the ministry or whether as, as a father, my children, or as a I'm husband, not. it affects my wife. You know, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it's we're not just a, when we are in this when we quench the spirit, and when we quench the spirit, I just want to make it. It doesn't mean that he's not with you. It's just, but when you keep doing that, eventually you're gonna grieve him, you know, and he's gonna have to pull away. But, but our decisions not only affect us, and I'm telling you, man, I may, I, I've been there, <laughs> I've been yeah. there, you know, and mm -hmm. and I had to fess up to it and man up. And 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 learn from those things. But we've all, in 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 some form, shape or form, the decisions that we have made not only affect us, it it can affect our family, the people of God, those that God has already ordained. You see, God had already ordained Paul and Silas, whether Silas knew it or not. He had been chosen already. <laughs> right for right. this. If he had been disobedient and gone back to Jerusalem, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that's a lot of, I mean, that's a lot to think about and swallow, right? It really uh, is. It's a fearful. It, re it really is. It, you know what you're making me think of is First Samuel chapter 15. Can you turn over there, Brother Jeremy, real quick? First yes. Samuel 15. I think it's First Samuel 15. Let's see. No? Yeah. Let me see. <laughs> First Samuel, just the way you describe it there. Uh, let's see. Uh, where is that? Where uh, maybe it's fourteen. Is it about the Amalekites where he did he kept everything? Is that one or? Well, it's what Samuel said to him. He said, you know, uh, I think it's the, he. This is the Amalekites was the second thing he did. No, where he was waiting for. Uh, where where he was waiting for for Samuel to show up. We can, is that where it is? Where he wanted to give a yeah. offering? Do you know where that yeah, is? It's in um thirteen? Fourteen. One year. Fourteen eleven. What is it? Uh Samuel first Samuel eleven. Eleven. 
I think it's 13. Yeah, it, it, you're, it's uh, it's actually verse 11, brother, 13-11. Yeah. So he waited and waited, and, and Samuel told him, you know, don't, you wait for me, I'll come, and we'll do the offering, and then you go to war. And and he didn't. He <laughs> Read that, brother Jeremy. Um, and, uh, read verse 11. 8. Yeah, verse 8 through uh, through 11. Okay. 8 through 11. Okay. And he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, bring hither a burnt, a burnt offering to me and peace offering. And he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass that as soon as he made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. And Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. And just go ahead and read through through verse 14. Therefore said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him a man with after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people. Because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. Man, that just gives me chills right there, right? Because you see the Holy Spirit uh, trying to stop. Saul in verse 12 right where he says uh, I forced myself to do something mm. so that, that gives us an insight that, that the spirit of God was trying to restrain him from doing this thing you talked about the component of obedience in the leading of the spirit right well a commandment had been right. given from the prophet to the king who, who he had anointed a type of the spirit coming upon him he had the anointing of the spirit and he himself testifies here in verse 12 that I quenched the spirit, right? I grieved the spirit. You could tell he was fighting against the Holy Spirit when he said, I had to force myself to do this. So I actually went against that that inclination in my heart, which is of the spirit, and I did mm. something, right? And, and, and you were talking about the decisions we make. And what Samuel goes on to say is, you've, you've done foolishly because today was the day that you would have been established as a king over Israel forever. Well, <laughs> it's intense, wow. right? Wow. But because he didn't follow the leading of the spirit, the implication of his choices was an entire destiny was removed from him and given to King David. It's incredible, right? Yes. So you made me think you made me think of that when you talked about the implications of not obeying the leading of the spirit and how important yes. that is. Because as we talked about here in Acts chapter 15, Silas couldn't have even remotely understood what was just ahead. 
I mean, he traveled from Jerusalem all the way to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, and 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 he knew them. So to anticipate that there was going to be this incredibly sharp division take place between Paul and Barnabas, and that this ministry team would be broken up, and then a vacancy would be uh, opened, which he was slotted to fill by the Holy Spirit, had he gone back to Jerusalem and not tarried, like you said, and listen to the inclination of the spirits moving in his heart, all of this could easily have been missed if he hadn't listened to the leading of the spirit. And the choice that he made, like we said, it involved John Mark, who became a writer of the gospel and Barnabas's ministry toward him. And it involved Timothy because Timothy is where they, they first came to in chapter 16 and he became part of the, of the ministry team. All of this was involved in that simple act of trusting that that leading of the spirit in his heart. It's quite amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Brother Marty, so, can I just point yeah. out something very quickly too? And, and I just sure. think it's beautiful because one of the things that we're learning is that, um, you know, how they are sent at the very least in twos, the very least. And how yeah. this work is never attributed to just one man. You get you know, it, the importance of two or three, you know, how that's the way Jesus, uh, you know, taught his disciples, you know, yeah. when he sent them out in twos, not in one. And I think that's right. very important. You know, you speak about a lot of things that I'm not going to get into, but just, you know, accountability, you know, uh, yeah. two is better than one. Three is even, you know, it's uh, how much it, it were needed, you know, one another, you know, um, that's why. It's, it's, you know, we, we come together, brothers, you know, and, and I'm sure you could do your part because I could, but it's just much better. We come together, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and yeah, there's a beauty in that. I just wanted to point that out. I think that's beautiful too, how the Lord teaches us the Holy Spirit, how, you know, always to have at least one person, somebody with where you go when you minister, Amen. what and you do. You're right. And that's a, that's the work of the spirit, and 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 so we see that he his choice, his simple choice. It would seem simple to us, even that simple leading of the spirit in our own personal lives. Those of you that are listening, as Brother Jeremy said, and we and we all can say, we'll give a few examples here in a second. I'm going to want Brother Fernando to share something too uh, about this when I get to it. But um, you know, the the leading of the spirit and and understanding it. And, and even the slightest little sense of it, obey that voice in your heart. You become more familiar with that spirit, uh, the, the voice of the Holy Spirit, the more that you obey, the more that you lean to it. Yes, you might make mistakes, especially when you're younger. But as you grow and, and you know, remember this, it's with, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know, so there's uh, there's the, the 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 following of the leading of the spirit always requires faith. Stay. You know, there was an, a component of faith in Silas's uh, decision to 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 tarry, like Brother Jeremy said, in that, like he said, logically, you would feel a burden. You know, a human sense. So I I came here with Judas. It ain't cool to send him all the way back to Jerusalem by himself, right? So, you know, you could lean to 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 logic. But there, there are times where we must uh, yield to the to what we know, uh, you know, in our heart. There's, ah, you know, I know it looks crazy, but I'm gonna do this instead. And and 
and it's that leading of the spirit and the obeying of the spirit, which is why we went over to First Samuel chapter 15, I mean 13, where Brother uh, Fernando told us about Gilgal. There we see that Saul admits that the spirit was trying to restrain him from making this most egregious uh, mistake. He didn't listen to the voice of the spirit. He himself testified, I made myself, I forced myself to do this thing. And Samuel said, the implications of you resisting uh, you know the, uh, the 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 voice of God in your heart and 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 staying obedient to the commandment of God has cost you forever. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> so these things are really important, right? And so chapter sixteen is very important as as we go on because the guidance of the Holy Spirit is what begins to be turned up, ratcheted up, emphasized. So after traveling, as we get to chapter sixteen, to Leicester and Derby and Phrygia and the region beyond Galatia, as they say, Paul intended to go further. They're now on their missionary journey. They have Timothy with them. He intended to go further into the great population centers of greater Asia Minor. That's where it says in, 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 uh, in verse 16, but our attention, I mean, in verse six, but our attention is turned uh, in a very emphatic way to the Holy Spirit. Again, can you read chapter 16, verse six and seven? As Silas is now traveling with Paul, they have Timothy. They've they've gone through a few cities, and then it says they intended uh, to go somewhere else. And look what happens here, verse six and seven. Would you? Now, when they had gone throughout, uh, man, my mind just went. Phrygia, Phrygia. Thank you, brother. And the region uh -huh. of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. After they were come to Mysia, or Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. So here we have two constraining, uh, you know, acts of the Spirit uh, that are revealed to us here. They're on the mission field, and they're basically going places that seem logical to them. It says in verse 6, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they, they intended to go further deeper into the heavy population centers of Asia. Greater Asia Minor really is what they're talking about here, so that they could go preach the word there. But it says the Holy Spirit forbade them. They were led not to go there. And that's really interesting because if you look at where they were intending to go, what was up there in, in Greater Asia Minor was Ephesus, Smyrna, Sardis, some of the major churches that we read about in the book of Revelation that Paul would found. He was intending to go there at this moment. Great churches were supposed to be founded in that region. But check this out. The Holy Spirit said no. And what do we learn from this? Knowing that Ephesus and Smyrna and Sardis are up there. And, and Paul is on his way there. It's logic again, right? It makes sense to me. Let's go where most of the people are. You know, let's go there. Let's go to these big cities and, and let's bring the gospel there. All of that is good. But we see here, it doesn't just say the Holy Spirit didn't allow them. It says he forbade them to. And so what that teaches us is that timing is everything. There's more involved in our obedience to the Spirit. Had they got ahead of God in these regions, Lord only knows what would happen. We're not told. But what we are told is they obeyed. 
And what we learn from this is that it is vital that we don't get ahead of God when it seems logical to us, right? We can easily do that. It would have seemed absolutely right to go there and preach the word, but it wasn't time. And so rather than belaboring that point, we need to understand what is actually, and by the word forbidden, uh, it's, it's, an, it's an ominous word, right? Who knows if they would have died there or some tragic event could have happened or the thwarting of the building of the churches of Ephesus and Smyrna and Sardis may never have happened. Who knows? It's not important really to know. What's important to know is that the Spirit said, no, it's not time. But notice what he didn't do. He didn't tell them where to go. Just don't go there. Right? <laughs> because because it says in verse 7, what, Brother Jeremy? After they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. Again. So, okay, well, we can't go there. Let's go over here to, uh, 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 how do you say it? Bithynia? Bithynia? Yeah, Bith yeah, Bith yeah, Bithynia or Bithynia. Yeah. Yeah, why couldn't they just call it New York, you know? I mean, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, you know what? It, it's actually Bithonia. Bithonia? Bithonia. Yeah, Bithonia. Okay. So, they, so, so again, we see logic playing a part, right? Well, we can't go over there. And they come to Mysia or Mysia, and, and they determine, well, let's go over to Bithia then. Let's go preach there. And again, the Spirit doesn't allow them to. Now, what's interesting is is they continued going. Can you read verse 8? Yes. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. Okay, and we'll stop right there for, 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 for a moment. What we are seeing, in essence, is, is uh, they continue to move forward, but they don't stop and, and, and plant themselves, in their case, uh, you know, to build churches or whatever. Um, so they're going by faith. What they are being led by, that's why when Paul writes, you know, they that are led by the Spirit, this is what we're seeing. He's being led by the Spirit, but... You know, we're not being told, come on, Lord, I mean, I need some info here, right? And you don't see that attitude at all. <laughs> they just know that, that we're going to continue to go. And this is faith in action. This is a level of living in the Spirit that very few people ever get to experience. And, mm. and, and yet you have experienced it. In, in some measure, even if it's just the, the smallest decision that you think you've made about this or that or the other, see, following the leading of the Holy Spirit always requires faith. And and you know, I was thinking about that today, and I and I was thinking, how can we make this more personal? And and I and I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to share a couple stories with you, and this is where you, where I want you guys to jump in as well. But the first one when it comes to the leading of the spirit that I thought about this morning was how I met my wife <laughs> 34, five years ago, something like that. And, uh, see, I was a young man and I was, I was working in, in, in a, in a major retail outlet in Glendale. 
and uh, I was on a fast track to, you know, to, to, to continue going up the corporate ladder there. But I had gotten saved and full of the Holy Spirit uh, years earlier. But as I now came into my early 20s the, the, and, and began to grow in the things of God, I, I suddenly was overcome with this unbelievable sense of how much I didn't really want to do anything else but serve Jesus. And I used to go out, you know, on my lunch breaks and stuff into my car at the Glendale Galleria. And I would sit in my car and instead of eating lunch, I would sit in my car and pray and I'd read my Bible and I'd ask the Lord, please, Lord, get me out of this situation. I don't want to be no corporate dude. I don't want to work in the world. I just want to serve you. And it got to such high intense degrees, that sense in my spirit that I couldn't even, I wasn't even a good manager anymore. Every, almost, it seemed like every single person that came into the store, in some way or another, I was looking for an angle to to preach the gospel to them and lead them to Christ. <laughs> I mean, I was that over, I was that zealous at the time. Well, <laughs> this meeting, this this big Christian meeting came to the Anaheim Convention Center. And, and I knew that, I, I can't explain it other than to say like Silas, you know, he sent something in his heart. I knew I had to be there, but I had just gotten promoted to the second most successful store in the company. We were generating like, uh, what was it, uh, $2 million a month in sales, and so it was a good position I had. I was 23, 24 years old, and and it all looked good. You know, I could say, God, logically, God's blessing me. His favor's on me. Maybe I'm going to be this great businessman, whatever, but I sensed the Lord tell me, you need to be at that meeting. It was a driving, it wasn't an audible voice. It was It was an unction. It was a drive toward going there. And I didn't understand it, but I knew I had to be there. And I'd only just recently been promoted to this position. And I'd only been there maybe three, four, five weeks. And I went and told the big uh, district manager of that whole region and said, look, this is what I told him. I don't know if I'd have the guts to do it now when you're young, you do this kind of stuff. I told him, I said, listen, I'm not asking your permission. I'm telling you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to this Christian meeting and I'm going to be there for the whole week. And so I'm not asking you to let me go. I'm telling you I'm going to go. But what I am telling you is that if you want, I'll be, I will come back and uh, and take up my position when I get back. <laughs> and he was like, Seriously? Are you seriously telling me what you're telling me? And I said, yeah. And he and, and he kind of took this big breath and he said, I don't know why I'm telling you this, he says, but I'm going to let you do this thing. And and my arrogant youth, right, because uh, I felt like that was a slight on, on, on God. I said, no, 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 I, I want you to know you're not giving me permission. <laughs> I should have just shut up and said, okay, thanks, you know. But, you know, uh, <laughs> I said, no, let's just make one thing clear here. I'm going because God told me, not because you're letting me, right? And it's, it's all right, all right, however you want to say it. So I went, and, and and I had no idea what was driving me to and compelling me to be there, but I knew I had to be. And so I went, and it would be there that I would meet my, my precious wife. I'd been there three days, and this is a big convention. You know, there's 10,000, 15,000 people there every night. And on the third night I was there, uh, you know, we, we were lingering after the big nighttime meeting and everybody's full of joy and happiness. And uh, and I'm leaving, waving to some people I knew 
uh, leaving the Anaheim Convention Center, there's thousands of people there. There's multiple entrances into the arena. And I just so happened as I'm waving, my back is toward the door as I'm walking out of the arena. And when I turned around, there was my wife. I didn't know it was my wife, right? She was the most beautiful girl I'd seen. And I didn't know what to do. I was so full of joy and happiness that I hugged her. And I said, praise the Lord, sister. <laughs> you know, <and> she <laughs> and I was like, all right. So uh, from that point uh, on, 10 days later, uh, we were married. And we've been married almost 34, 35 years now. I can't remember, God forgive me. <laughs> I think it's 34 years we've been married. But you see, if I hadn't obeyed the leading of the Spirit, I would have never run into her and, and her as well. She said she was leaving and, and she was on her way to the parking lot. And the Lord, she says, she felt in her heart she needed to turn around and go back and stand in the doorway. And she said, you know, all these people are leaving. Hundreds, thousands of people are leaving. And they're kind of annoyed with me because I'm just standing right in the middle of one of the exits. right? And, and she said, but I felt like I needed to stay there. And had she not obeyed that voice, <laughs> my Lord, it was that moment that I bumped into her and she bumped into me. And 10 days later, we were married. And and it's amazing because, see, she got nervous when we met. Let me just throw this in there. And she decided she wasn't going to come back to the meeting. But before she had left, uh, we had got to know each other in the next couple of days. It was like a seven-day meeting uh, around day five. Uh, she had invited me to come to her church in Buena Park, California. And, and, uh, but then she disappeared. She said, because she was much more spiritual than me. You know, and she prayed and fasted all the time at the time, you know, and, and, uh, and was really seeking God intensely. And she said, when she would go home and pray through the night that, that God began to tell her, you just, you just met your husband. Unbeknownst to me, I just thought she was pretty and I liked talking to her. Right. But, but she said when God told her that, she said that that she decided she wasn't going back to the arena. And she didn't. For, and, and she disappeared. And I thought in my heart, well, I guess, you know, it was just someone nice to meet and that was it. But on the last night, Saturday night of the meeting, her friend, her best friend at the time, crazy, charismatic lady. Thank God for charismatics at this moment. <laughs> she, I mean, the meeting's over. I mean, there's maybe, you know, two or 300 people left, you know, and we're, you know, the hangers on, you know, it's sad that everything's over. And I'm getting ready to leave, and this lady comes running up to me, and she tells me that that, that, that my wife had basically got cold feet, and she says, you two need to be together. And and she took a napkin and drew this if i i had i saved that napkin for i don't know 20 years man i probably still got it in one of my boxes in the garage but she took that napkin and she drew on it uh two lines there was like a line she goes you take this freeway and she drew the line you get off right here and then she drew a little box with an x she says that's how you get here and if you look at this thing i don't even know how i understood how to get there but i did so the day goes by and i go to her church on sunday because she told me we're having Sunday night service. So I drove to her church uh, in Buena Park, but I couldn't tell how to get there based on this napkin. I could base, I knew the freeway system well enough to get off on Commonwealth Avenue right there. And I got off on Commonwealth, but after that, there was no address, there was nothing. We didn't have GPS, any of that stuff back then. 
but check this out, brother. But I kept feeling I needed to go, even though I was really nervous. And check this out. So I get to Commonwealth Avenue right there on Commonwealth and Beach Boulevard. You all live down there in, in, in California, so you, you know uh, the, how busy those intersections are. And right off the freeway, the Interstate 5. And, and, and lo and behold, sitting there in, in a L.A. traffic jam, the, the Holy Spirit carried the sound. Ah, praise. <laughs> yeah, praise you. He carried the sound of people praising God and the sound of tambourines. You know how these Pentecostal churches <laughs> It was the sound of tambourines. And so when the light turned green, I followed the sound. And it was like three blocks away into a neighborhood where the church was. And I followed the sound. And when I got to the sound, uh, it was a little church and it was summertime. So they had all the windows open. And there I looked and it was it was my wife sitting there. And she just freaked out. Like, who? how did he find me, right? So, so I park, I go in. And and uh, and now I'm sitting next to her. And that night I took her out to eat at a Denny's or something. And when we finished having a little conversation to eat, uh, we came back to the church, and she had a key to the church. Pastor was like her father, right? And and she said, let's go in and let's close our evening together in prayer if you want to. And I said, all right, let's sure. And uh, so we went into the church house and uh, and we began to pray. And this is about eight o'clock at night. Well, that prayer meeting lasted until uh, about 7.30 the next morning. And during the course of that, <laughs> I haven't told this story in a long time. <laughs> so if I get choked up, it's because I know what happened the next 35 years and where we are today, right? But we're talking about the leading of the Spirit. During the course of that night, uh, the Lord told me, this is your wife. And he told her, this is definitely your husband. And so somewhere around 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, um uh she she asked me she said uh, has the lord told you who i am and i said has the lord told you who i am and she said you're you're supposed to be my husband and i was like and we sat there at the altar it was really dramatic right we're sitting on the steps of the altar when this happened and we probably didn't talk for about an hour. We just sat there at the at the weight of what we just said to each other. We didn't know any each other from anybody. I never knew. I, I just ran into her in the door by the leading of the Spirit. And so when the sun came up, I was scheduled to go back to this big store. I had all the keys, everything. Uh, but the Lord had given us the scripture. I know this might sound crazy to some of you out there. Where in Mark, it says, uh, and Jesus passed by. And immediately they dropped their nets and they followed him. And and I I felt like the Lord was telling me, you're not, you, you don't go back to that store. You don't go back. And when we stood outside of the church that morning, it was one of them in the Southern California mornings when the fog is rolled in from the coast. So there was like fog in the air and the sun's trying to burn off the fog. And, you know, the cars are getting ready for the Monday morning uh, commute to work and, you know, and we're standing out there and, and really kind of in shock at what we had just said to each other and how we actually ended up here. And uh, and she asked me, she said, so what do we do now? And, and, and out of my mouth, without even realizing it, I told her, I said, listen, uh, we need to get married. 
<laughs> and she said, are you crazy? I don't even know you. I said, well, what was last night about? You know, because logic tried to sneak in there, right? But that's where I took over. And you guys know me. I'm a nut, right? So I just said, eh. And I went into this speech, right? You know, you know, these moments, you know, they might only come around once in a lifetime. And we better walk through the door that God has opened, blah, 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 right? So somehow I convinced her. And uh, I, I basically kidnapped her for the next five days. But in that five-day period, we were able to get our blood test, get our marriage license. And that following Sunday, we were married in her church. And we've been married for 34 years. <laughs> wow. Hallelujah. And we've traveled the world, brother. We've traveled the whole world and preached the gospel, as you well know, because of the leading of the Spirit. It was completely illogical. But the implications of those simple little choices of faith led us to a, to an incredible experience, and it's just getting started, right? Yeah. I thought about I thought about the letter I wrote to 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 this preacher that I talked about the other day. Um, I wrote a letter to him years later at the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Well, that letter turned into me being in Africa with my wife and my family, and sponsoring 18 major crusades across Africa building a television station, meeting presidents and kings and captains of industry throughout Africa, preaching the gospel, seeing tens of thousands of people saved, preaching in Central America, preaching all over, uh, you know, in different places of creating a home for 600 orphans, street kids in Uganda, mm -hmm. on and on and on, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, all of that because God led me and my wife back then to go to this meeting never knowing that all those things would, would be the result. And then as I was thinking about all that, I thought about Brother Fernando, how I met Brother Fernando. Uh, he obeyed the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, will you tell him about that, Brother Fernando, how you, how you ended up in that San Jose meeting all those years ago? Yeah, um, uh, it, it was a absolutely the leading of the Holy Spirit. I remember, um, you know, uh, seeing you minister on television and uh, the the word of the Lord that you were preaching really connected with me because it was prophetic. And, and um, I think you were preaching a message on uh, what, what meanest thou sleeper on Jonah. On Jonah, the title yeah. Of the name? Yeah, yeah what meanest thou sleeper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what meanest thou sleeper. Yeah, and uh, it really, really, uh, uh, you know, bore witness of my spirit. And I always wonder, you know, who's that brother? I've never seen a minister, but he used to minister some more. You know, I felt, <laughs> felt the touch of God in your life. And uh, um, lo and behold, to make the long story short, I remember uh, my brother calling me from San Jose, and he said, guess who's coming uh, to uh, to my church? I said, who? Marty Martinez. I said, no way. I said, okay, well, you know what? Let me make plans to uh, to go over there. And um, wow. <clears throat> I remember uh, saving up some money to take the drive over there, and it's about an eight-hour drive from uh, the Coachella Valley. And um, I was very indecisive. You know, because I, I, what I was really looking for was the leading of the Spirit. It's what we're talking about here, the confirmation yeah. for me to go. Um, and and I hadn't really got that got that check in my spirit, you know, or confirmation in my spirit to go. I remember kind of 
battling with it. I said, you know, it's a long drive. I really don't have the money to go all the way over there. I had enough money, but I felt maybe the money could be better used somewhere else. And I remember the day to make the decision. It was a, I think it was a Tuesday, and we would have left on a Thursday to make the meetings in San Jose by Friday. Um, you know, I remember being on the phone with my wife and she's like, Hey, so are we going? Uh, you know, I have the money here. And I remember telling her, you know what? Um, go use the money to pay some bills. We're not going to go. And at that <laughs> time I was working <laughs> at that time, uh, I was working customer service, uh, answering phones for, for this hotel company. And, uh, I was sitting at the desk where, you know, in front of the computer and, and answering phone calls. And I'll never forget what happened. Um, by this time, my wife had paid some of the bills. So we really didn't have, you know, uh, it was the same day I made that decision not to go. A few hours later, uh, she, she had paid a bill that needed to be paid. Um, I think it was the electricity bill. And um, I'll never forget it. Uh, I was on the phone answering the call, and I'll never forget it. I felt as though somebody walked behind me and tapped my shoulder. In so much, it was so real to tap on my shoulder that I turned around, and nobody was there. Oh, wow. And I remember, I remember finishing that call, and I hung up, and I sat there on my desk, waiting to listen to the Holy Spirit because I knew it was the Lord wanting to speak to me. Uh, it, it, it's kind of amazing how that happens. You know, it seems like all the noise around you just drowns yeah. and goes away. And you're just sitting there waiting to listen. And all he said to me was, you're going to go to San Jose. <laughs> and I said, that's all I needed to hear. <laughs> it was settled in my heart. It was settled in my heart. I remember making the phone call to my wife, say, "Hey, you know, we're going to San Jose," and, and uh, I tell the story that she got all frantic and and you know, it's like, "What are you talking about?" You know, I already spent so much money. She says, "I didn't act like that." I'm like, "Well, you know, just to make it more dramatic." <laughs> that's what I. That's what I remember. <laughs> I. <laughs> You know, I, I, that's exactly what I remember. And I was like, yeah. you know what? The Lord spoke to me. We are going. So so let's get ready. And uh, we're going to hit the road soon. And, and we're going to go. And and I'll never forget it. We When we got to the meeting, um, you know, I remember you had just finished a message. And, and you were leaving. And, and I was praying to the Lord to, to, to connect us. And, you know, yeah. you have been a blessing to me in, in, in your ministry. And so I never really did get to have a conversation with you. But That's other true. than uh, I remember you were leaving and I tapped you on the shoulder as you were leaving. I didn't say hello. You know, I just remember uh, looking at you and saying, thank you. And I gave you a hug. And you kept walking, you know, and, and I said, God bless you. And I said, thank you. Those were the words I said to you. Um, because uh, the blessing that you have been in my life. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I left. I, I didn't, I had to go to work. I had to be at work on Monday, if you remember. 
and I left yeah. that on Sunday, so I couldn't be there for the Sunday services. But um, this is the leading of the Spirit, right? The, the Lord yeah. was connecting us, and and you said you had a word for the young man that was sitting at a particular side of the, of the church. That, that would have been yeah. me. I wasn't and, there. You right. had a prophetic word for me. Well, it so happens that that's my brother's church, and he was like, "That's my brother." And <laughs> that's right. you gave <laughs> right. You're like, "Well, tell him this." Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. The Lord, you know, and and that word is, you know, very personal to me, and and it was a word that that really, really resonated in my heart. So my brother called me and told me about the word that you, that the Lord had given you, and uh, and next thing you know, I think. The following day, we were uh, communicating on the phone, and right. and that's where the connection began. And I'll never forget it. I think we spoke for like five hours on prophecy, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> and, right. And we, yeah, we just spoke about the word prophetically, and yeah. uh, that's how the Lord connected us. And 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 you know, a few months later, down you know, a few years later, we're, we're traveling, you know. All over, preaching the gospel yeah. together, you know, Central America, what, Canada, United States. That's Canada. right, Canada, right about Canada, that's right. Yeah, no, I, when I was thinking about that this morning, I thought, because I was thinking about Silas and how we talked about his choice, that, that, that act of yeah. obedience to listen to the Spirit. Because then you coming uh, to that that meeting set in motion a whole series of events that would then lead us uh, to connect with uh, to to meet brother Jeremy, right? You know, and 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 it was like God was bringing the families together and the pieces of the puzzle together. And and uh, I thought about how that one choice you made actually led to to what you were just saying. You know, we met I met you, brother Jeremy, and and then I'll, I'll never forget uh, we had called a dinner. We were going to be in La Quinta, and we called and we met at a restaurant. Oh, that's right. Right, yeah. and uh, it was just your, you, you guys, your family, and and brother Jeremy's family, and we were in a little hotel room, and uh, and I and I I told you guys again the leading of the spirit that uh, I felt like we needed to go hold a crusade in Honduras, right, <laughs> in Central America. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, remember, yeah. and. Yeah. Uh, and so I was looking um, at you like, are you nuts? <laughs> are you nuts? I know. <laughs> but see, I had been being invited to go to, to, to Central America for three years. And I had turned it down and turned it down and turned it down. But that night, uh, as we were having dinner, the, the spirit of the Lord, you know, moved in my heart and said, you need to say yes to this, to this meeting now. And I hadn't even called Honduras or had my wife call him or anything to say, hey, you guys still interested? I, I just met with you guys and said, you guys want to go. Let's go do this. And, and you agreed. And out of that came the most incredible journey where Brother Jeremy would become my translator. You guys were preaching to you know hundreds of preachers. We had over 10,000 people, they told us, in the soccer stadium in, in, in Gracias, Honduras. The vice president of the country came to our meeting, remember? Um, we had crusades that came out of that in Canada and Coachella. We had several crusades in Coachella and Pittsburgh, Ohio. We traveled together and, and all of that by the leading of the Spirit. And then this year, I experienced a similar thing. When this whole thing began to happen uh, this year, 
and and we got together and said we need to we need to at least record something right <laughs> like reactivate our podcast because we hadn't really done one in three or four years right and uh yeah. since yeah. what since the, since the las vegas shooting or something like that i think was the last one we had mm-hmm. done 20 2016 i think 2017 but we didn't know, but we just felt we needed to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And we started, I think it was March the 19th. And here we are eight months later, and we've done almost 150 programs. And we're headed into these these terrible, turbulent times. But 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 all of those decisions, if you think about it, happened with one simple yes to the Holy Spirit. And 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 like you said yes to San Jose, brother Jeremy said yes and came. You know, not nah, do this, and he's probably regretted it ever since. But that's all right, <laughs> so. brother Marty. You know, uh, I, I sense I sense his presence, man. Um, so please just bear with me. You know, um, just a few a few months before we met, <clears throat> there was about I don't know. 10 to 15 of us praying in the intercession came to a place well, not no this is before we met you and just our prayer began to change give us the world give us the world and i remember a, a prophetic a prophetic a prophecy that came that the lord had opened a door for us we didn't know what that was and a few months later <laughs> uh we were preaching in uh, Honduras, brother, talking about the yeah. leading and operation of the Holy Spirit. Uh, <laughs> a cry become, be, you know, in that little church, you know, in a little storefront church, just crying out, crying out, interceding, interceding. And the Holy Spirit was preparing us. And it's almost like we were just bolted into, you know, that connection that Brother Fernando made with you. And, and through that came our connection. And then, yeah. Going to Honduras, going to Canada, going to different parts of the United States, you know, and and, yeah. and other places, and and seeing. I mean, we got testimonies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, San Francisco. I mean, who who goes to hold that's a right. crusade in San Francisco? You know, I mean, that's a that's just we, we could take a a podcast just on testifying of the thing that God did there, you know. But yeah. all of this, it's because of obedience, you know. Had we not obeyed, yeah. none of this, had the Holy Spirit would not have prompted us. And, you know, I just wanted to say that because I, I think it's so much, you know, what, what well, you it, know, it, I'm sure the people out there can, can sense it, what we can sense right now. Yeah, and it, it's meant to encourage, you know, because uh, we are going into times that, that are incredibly intense, in some spaces, places dangerous. Some of the decisions we're going to have to make in the coming days are going to be uh, specifically guided and and prompted by the Holy Spirit, yeah. and we need to be we need to be sensitive to that and not lean like what does the Bible say? Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your steps. They that are led of the Spirit, they are the sons of God. See, everything that we, we these just these tiny little examples we gave you concerning our own private lives the the uh what, when you, we look back on it now like you were you were talking about you know brother fernando came to san jose um and in many ways because of the way i've been trained to look at things that meeting of me and, and my precious wife uh 
led to us knowing you guys. You know, mm-hmm. we would have never had yeah. the, the, you know what I'm saying? It, it was things were being set in motion. Brother Jeremy, you obeying the Lord and, and coming with us to Honduras, you're praying, you know, uh, praying for for uh, for God and praying for the whole world when you only got 10 people or 15 people in your church and you're praying for the yeah. whole world. God saw that. And and he's using all these choices and decisions. And, you know, when you said that, it made me think of, and I'll just, you know, there's so many things we can share, but that one thing, there was a man, if you remember, in Honduras, uh, who they, they booked us to go to his church. And and this yeah, man yeah. had, remember, he had built a, yeah. a, a, a church that seats a thousand people or something like that, and uh, or 500 people. I don't know. It was a big church, though. And and they he was mocked by his community. He was made fun of. It, that 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 one place was like an eyesore because he only had eight members in his church after a year of building this place. And 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 I I go all the way back to Brother Fernando going to San Jose, us hooking up together, all three of us. That little meeting in the La Quinta room. That man's prayers were being answered. Because what ended up happening, for those of you who aren't familiar with this story, was was we we went, I don't even know where we went, they took us, but we ended up at this man's church, and, and for a whole year he'd been believing that his church was going to be filled. Well, not only was his church packed to the rafters, there was standing room only, remember? And there was people yes. outside. <laughs> yes. And not only uh, that. Yeah. But you remember the favor that God gave us when we landed in Honduras and we met the lar- the, the owner of the largest satellite company in, in Central and South America, the most popular channel, and how he sent his trucks, his satellite trucks, and they beamed from that man's church who they had made yes. fun of. <laughs> they beamed all that service all over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, he, and he gave us a prime time spot too, to That's preach right. the gospel. Every night that we that you needed, he gave us a prime spot. Yes, sir. Live, incredible. So, following the leading of the Spirit, and and even in the smallest of things, right? Let's close with this because you made me think of that, brother Jeremy. Where they come to Troas, and and uh, and and you, when you made me think uh, when you were testifying about how you prayed, oh God, give us the whole world. That's what happened. See, Paul and them were, they weren't allowed to stop anywhere, but they kept going. And when they finally came to Troas and they were getting ready to, to, to rest, now the Holy Spirit reveals himself to them. And, and what happens, brother, in verse 9? And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. Help us. He had to get them in the right position because he was taking them to a region of the world where there were people that were hurting and needed salvation, right? And 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 I love the way they respond in verse ten. Can you say that, brother Jeremy? Verse ten. Yes. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Being led of the Spirit. I encourage those of you that are listening, uh, 
to read the rest of chapter 16 because what you'll find is they came to a place called Philippi and they founded the great church of the Philippians included in the New Testament the letter to the to the Philippians but there was also a lady by the name of Lydia chapter 16 verse 14 through 15 and and she would meet Paul and Silas and Timothy and they would minister to her and her entire family would be saved and baptized there was a young woman in chapter 16, verse uh, 16 through 18, who had been tormented with what the Bible describes as a spirit of divination. She also was there. And because they were obedient to the leading of the spirit, they were there when she needed them most. And Paul rebuked that spirit that had been controlling her life, and she was freed. And there was even a jailer. And in, ver in verse 30 through 34, that jailer would be saved, baptized, and his whole family was saved because they followed and obeyed the leading of the Spirit. So, you know, chapter 16 is so unique in the book of Acts because it accounts the leading of the Holy Spirit in a way that is so intense and that involves so many things and so many people. Like we said, the Philippian church and, and all the individual lives that were that were saved as a result of their obedience to the Holy Spirit and, and their and their, their 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 willingness to go not by logic, but by the assurance of what they knew, which is a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and they followed their heart. They followed his leading. You know, so many people want every T crossed every eye dotted before they'll make a move or go mm -hmm. forward. And, and so they, they miss out on so much. They miss out on so much destiny, like Saul, right? I don't want to go to that extreme, but he missed out on, on a heavenly destiny because he forced himself to resist what the Spirit was obviously trying to get him to do. We must understand that our obedience to the Holy Spirit it affects multiple lives, as we've tried to testify briefly today, and it sets in motion many events that are, you know, that, that, that are within the intention of the unfolding plan of the Lord Jesus himself. You know, he's building his church. So I guess I've been blessed, you know, just talking about these things with you brothers today, and, and I pray you're blessed out there. But, you know, in our times now, we need to listen more than ever to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Our lives, our families' lives, the lives of our neighbors, our communities, whoever God puts on your heart, that the Lord desires to save them or, or, or to preserve someone or to heal someone or to bless someone. So much is at stake, especially now. Let us take instruction from the example of Paul and Silas and Timothy, these great servants of the Lord. Let us take our place in the history of the church. Remember, the book of Acts never ended. <laughs> it's continued for 2,000 years. And now uh, we are, are, are in, in many sense, we're, we're writing by our, by our obedience to the leading of the Holy Spirit, the final chapters of the book of Acts. The Lord Jesus is soon to return, just as he promised in chapter 1. And so we want to encourage you that we're, we're standing together with you. We're praying for you. We're believing for your prayers to be answered. We're trying with all our heart to encourage you. We need not be afraid. We need not fear what is 
inevitably coming our way because it has been proclaimed and prophesied within the scriptures. But he has not left himself without witness. And the church has endured for 2,000 years. And the end of all things is upon us quite possibly. And therefore, we, we need not hang our heads in, in despair or, 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 or have our knees wax feeble, as the Bible says. But rather, we square our shoulders and we look to the heavens because we know our redemption is drawing near. The Holy Spirit is leading us, and he will lead you and guide you. Listen to his voice. Obey his leading. Don't always give in to what you think. But follow his voice because Jesus said, my sheep, they hear my voice and another they will not follow. We pray today's broadcast has been blessing to you. We pray it will encourage you and, and those that you love. And we pray that you'll join us again tomorrow as we continue uh, journeying with Paul to the city of Athens. Brother Jeremy. Praise God. What a beautiful presence. What a beautiful discussion we've had and uh, reminding ourselves and reminding others <laughs> uh, that when we are obedient to the Holy Spirit and he'll put us right at the smack will center of the will of God. Amen. May Amen. God bless you and may God keep you. And as always, keep looking up.